0: Welcome to Chronicles of Power, a podcast dedicated to the world of power, where I review and break down the latest episode in the powerverse. We are brought to you by Private Listed, your source for all things music, sports, culture, and entertainment. Follow the new podcast page at Chronicles of Power on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube at PVT LSTD. My name is Kimi, and I will be your host as we break down the third season of Brazen Canaan otherwise known as Lou's Death Wish. This, this week, the episode 308 is titled Reckonings, written by Tosh Gray, directed by Sasha Penn, he's the queen of the show, Don Wilkinson, and Monty DeGraff. So Monty DeGraff, he actually directed a couple of episodes this season. He did about three episodes so far. Before we get into the opening scene of this week's episode, there is something that I did want to touch on a little bit, and I'm a little confused about it, so I'll just give you the news, and then I do have a fan theory for us to read or for us to go over. I'll do it at the end, and I also do not have a co-host. It's just me today, guys, so we'll definitely be banging through the material. Uh, in terms of news for this week, I did see Patina Miller on the Sherry Shepard show, I haven't really seen a lot of the actors and actresses do a lot of press for Raising Kanan this year, and I don't know why. I'm glad that Patina made a pit stop at Sherry Shepard, so I'm not really sure what's going on, why they don't do a lot of press, but I hope that they start to emerge as the season ends because this is this was for episode eight, and we only have two more episodes to go, and I haven't been able to get anyone on the show besides Shamley, and that's I think it's because you know she her character was killed off in the first episode I say all of that to say I apologize that we haven't had as many interviews as we normally do throughout the season and I hope that that turned around for us now speaking of Lou's death wish I have a lot of questions about some of the things that are happening in this episode and one of the first questions that I'll ask is do you think that Brock is responsible for Lou's demise hear me out we open up the episode and I say I wonder if Lou can be saved because right now his trajectory is either he's going to end up in rehab and that would be the best outcome that he can ask for. Or he's gonna end up in the dirt. And it seems like his siblings are gonna do it. Because no one else, it he seems to be going under the radar of the cops. We know that the FBI and the NYPD, they do have Main on their radar. They've already questioned Ma. And so far she's been skating by and no one has really hold in on what's going on with Lou considering how he's been pretty much spilling his soul to anyone who will listen for the past what seven episodes? Seven, eight episodes? But this may be the straw that breaks the Campbell's back. Right now, Lou is outside of Fox's home screaming we are killing You should let him know. Or her block yelling And it's funny that we see Patina Miller, who plays rock, sitting in her living room and she's thinking about all of the stuff that she has on her plate. Think about it. Kanan isn't living at home. He does not trust her. They are not on speaking terms. She is in this huge, beautiful house all by herself. Her businesses are kind of underwater. She's literally and figuratively. So her old business is gone. She's trying to reestablish it. her the new venture that she had in terms of owning a building that was flooded. So right now she's trying to make her way back into the game that she is so familiar with. but she also has to contend with her brother who blames her for all of the mishaps in his life. And I think that he has a valid argument in some points, but she also brings up good points too, in terms of saying that he has to take some responsibility for the decisions that he made. But I have to push back on that a little bit because she is neglecting to mentioning that she kind of held his hand behind his back when he had to make those decisions. So it's not as though he was free and clear to make some of the decisions that he made because she impressed upon him that those decisions were necessary for him to continue to be, one, a part of her crew, two, to keep getting financial support from her or to be paid by her because he is a part of her crew, and three, if he wants to have a comfortable life and not to have any strife with his sister or other sibling, that he has to do what she said. We should all be recognizing now that the chickens are definitely coming home to loose, especially for Wu, Rock, and Marvin. She goes outside. She takes Marvin inside. She tries to quiet him down. He is completely, he's erratic. He's drunk. he He's saying, he's talking out of his head. He's not saying any lies, but he's definitely talking out of his head and probably too much business so in this moment Lou Lou passes out in Kane's room Rock calls Marvin which is the right decision and they have a conversation and their conversation is is a great one it pretty much sums up the entire season right it says, my whole life Marvin says to Rock, my whole life now is about looking in the mirror. And she says to him, well, do you like what's looking back at you? And his response is very, very genuine in this moment where he goes, I think I'm starting to like it. I think I'm starting to. And she cuts in and says, Lou doesn't like what's looking back at him in the mirror. And no matter what he thinks, it's not on me. It's on him. And that's what I I have to stop and say. Let's go back a little bit. So let's look at the demise of Lou. Or how we got to where we are there with Lou. In season one. Lou was sent to kill D-Wiz. It had to happen. Because one. The streets needed a body. D-Wiz was Kanan's friend. He was a mere teenager. Under Rock's direction. He had to do this take the heat away from Kaden This undoubtedly affected him. He started pulling back from then. In season two, Lou knows he doesn't want to move in the game anymore. He's becoming more and more immersed in music, and regardless of what he's been groomed to do by his sister and his brother, his passion is music. Not killing teenagers and definitely not setting up their most loyal soldier, Scrap. Today, I was looking at a post from Power is Fire. And remember the scene at the diner where he sits with Marvin and Valk and they're trying to figure out if Scrap is a snitch? And he's hesitant, to be fair. He, he he doesn't believe that Scrap could be a snitch. And neither does Marvin. If we're really looking at their facial expressions, their character cues, he doesn't really believe that Scrap could be the snitch. And I want to even say... Not even Rock believes that because she's only going by the intel that she received from Malcolm. He says he sees he saw Scrap down at the station and he says, what are your people, I snitch. He didn't verify the information. The good thing about the Thomas siblings is that they did try to verify the information. And I just have to say to myself, like one thing that bothered me throughout that entire season is why did Scrap lie it was to me there was no reason for him to lie and then my homeboy uh under the comments uh his name is the ways 525 he always has really insightful things to say about uh power especially raising canaan and i like talking to him about different things and we go back and forth sometimes and we may not always agree but he brought up something that that i i kind of forgot in the moment and I kind of smacked her forehead like yo he's so right the reason why Scrap lied was because earlier not in that very episode but a few episodes back maybe it was episode one or episode two Rock says to Scrap you have to stop gambling and the reason why Scrap lied about the gambling, about where he was when he told Marvin that he was hanging up pictures at his cousin's house is because he was out gambling. There is a snitch within that family, but it was his mom. And it was because she ran the gambling operation so that the cops wouldn't come down on her. She gave them a little information about what's going on in the hood. And it left scrap free and clear. And it left her to run her business the way she saw fit. So that's why Scrap lied. It it bothered me, but I'm glad that we got to the bottom of it. Anyway, back to Lou. Lou made it clear at the diner that even though he will help them do what they need to do, meaning luring Scrap to the warehouse, he is not going to be the one to put him down. And I appreciated that. He put his foot down and said, listen, you can do whatever it is that you want to do, but I'm not going to do it and so said so done he did bring rock uh he did bring rock scrap to the warehouse and rock took the shot also in season two he could continu- like we said before he continued to work on the music he pleaded with his sister i don't want to do this anymore this is not what i want to do i just want to do music i i don't want to have anything to do with this and then we get that iconic scene from Raising Kate, what a scene that I think that we all will remember is when she holds his face in her brand spanking new house and says, I own you. I don't use the N word, but you know, she calls him that at the end of it and he cries, lights a cigarette and cut scene. Fast forward to season three now. Apparently, I own you and lose ether at this point. You may as well just start playing ether or take over because that shit really affected him. Because now he's like, how can she tell me I own you? Oh, wait. Wait, Sorry. How could she tell me I own you after I've been trying to get out? She tried. She buys my business from up under me, and now she wants me to come back and work with her and play nice. No, I, I'm I'm not going to do that. So this is where we're at now with Lou. Does he have to do some self evaluation here? Sure, we all do. He's not completely absolved from blame. Maybe he could have gone away. Maybe he could have done other things to get him from under the whim of his sister, but. She she held all of the cards. She was the one who paid them. She is the one who kept everything running afloat. And when he tried to do something on his own, she took it away from him. So it's hard for me to sit here and sympathize with Rock when she says that he needs to look in the mirror and like what he sees. And then, you know, her feedback is that he doesn't like what he sees. Well, he doesn't like what he sees because of the way you groomed him. And he says this, he says, not in this episode, he says, I'm, I've always done what you wanted me to do. I was young. You made me into this person. You made him into the killer. You instructed him to kill people. I'm not saying that he didn't do things of his own volition, but most of these things that he has been involved in has been because of Rock. And sometimes I feel like Rock takes the posture of Ghost, where she doesn't realize that because she's making so many decisions for everyone and trying to keep everyone alive and out of jail, that she's also affecting them or harming them in ways that she's not able to foresee. She has to realize that Lou, although he may be her soldier, and he, he says, "Um, I may be the hammer in your toolbox that you pick out and use whenever you need to, but she has to remember that he is not a drill like her. He's not. He, his mental fortitude is not set up the same way how she is. The same way how she is able to say, I take all of the blame without getting any of the credit. He isn't operating that way. And that's what you have to do, meaning rock. what she has to do as the leader of the operation. And it's hard for her to... I guess, feel empathy for him because of all of the stress that she's under. Again, something similar that happened with ghosts. But I'll digress from this part. You guys can definitely tell me whether or not you feel Lou is savable. <laughs> like, can Lou be saved? Is it really all his fault at this point? Or does Rock deserve some blame in this? Also, I would ask here, do you think that Lou respects or, or fears Rock? And I think there's a little bit of both. He does respect her as his sister, but he does fear her because he knows how brutal she is. And that has to be the only reason why he has carried out some of the orders that she, she gave him. Speaking of respect or fear, In the next scene, we actually see Kanan, Snap, and Pop, and Barney. They're sitting down at the table, and they ask Kanan the same thing. What what do you value more? Or do you think which is more important to you, respect or fear? And this is like the old headway of trying to gauge who you are trying to figure out what makes Kanan tick they're trying to get to know him they're trying to size him up and they see they're trying to see if he's like his father they they know CON and they ask and, but remember everyone doesn't know that CON is really not his dad but I thought it was funny right when Pop chimes in and she says i never even seen him with a whole bunch of girls. I've only seen him with your mother. And I wonder if she said that because she knew that he was gay. Mm. I was like, oh, they didn't make her say that for no reason now. But anyway, Gangster Urgle <laughs> answers the question <laughs> about fear being most important to him. But Kaden's answer or his response is a bit telling because he says, fear is respect and respect is fear. they are one and the same in, in his eyes you have to have a little bit of both in order for the wheels to turn or for the wheels to stay oiled and it, once he said that i said okay they're going to i know exactly what they're going to do with canaan they're going to make him choose he is going to have to choose between the life and his mom and it's it's unfair but he he's definitely gonna have to figure out if selling heroin or being a part of the drug game is more important to him than having a relationship with his mother and if we had to answer that question right now considering how many times we've heard them say f rock we know that kanan is definitely not going to be a proponent of mending a relationship with his mother because of all of the lies that she told and how manipulative she is but we move on from Snap, Pop, and Jinx the Urkel as they leave the the club. Pop and Ronnie have a, I, so, you know, some of their interactions are really funny. Like I remember a couple episodes back, I think it was episode four, where she hugs him and he just stood stiff like a board but even in this episode she asked me you know was there a girl that you really liked or that you f with and he was just like yeah but without engaging he's just like you didn't ask me if i had if i knew her name you just asked me if i f with her i was like oh my god ronnie (laughs) oh yeah so the next question that i have is um it's about butter And I wonder what will be the demise of Butter because they are working. They're working hard. Juke and Aisha are having a sleepover. I actually like their scenes because they are innocent. It's very teenage appropriate. Maybe there's sexual tension there or maybe there is a like there, but they're not. It it doesn't seem like they're going to explore it. But we know for sure that Juke likes Aisha and maybe Aisha does too, but she doesn't explore those feelings. But in the moment of the sleepover that they're having, Juke does tell Aisha about Nicole and she tells her the truth. And this is how we know that they're becoming closer as friends because she's opening up more to her. And we see that um, she tells her, I'm sorry. And Juke can't even wrap her mind around why someone who doesn't know Nicole or didn't have anything to do with her death would say, I'm sorry. And Aisha explains, hey, when something bad happens to someone that you care about, you tell them that I'm sorry. Like poor Jew, she doesn't even she doesn't even know how to be empathetic or how to show some sympathy for someone else. But when we move forward, because I am gonna jump around a little bit, only because of time, we later see them rehearsing, and I like the song that they rehearsed the, the slow song. Uh, I wonder. I'm gonna actually check the Raisin Canaan soundtrack to see if that is on there. I should have checked it before I started recording. Uh, but. Keep in mind, they've been given an opportunity to perform for Shanice at the mall. Juke gets the lead position, and we get another soliloquy from the cam. Aisha is excited for Juke, but when they leave the studio after the first rehearsal, they walk out and see Kaden and Crystal making out across the street. Kanan is one of my last nerve. I don't fault him too much about being upset with his mother, about lying who his father is, making him possibly go shoot his father, Um, (laughs) but I don't get upset with him for that because I can understand why someone would be frustrated with their mother, and especially now that he knows that she was the one that planted the gun that nearly got him kicked out of school and has him under ACS watch. Wait, did they call it ACS or did they call it PCW? Whatever, child welfare, right? I do get annoyed with how he's moving with Jukebox. And with Famous. Just how he's moving in his own peer and social circle. He is very nasty and he's very rude. So nasty. So rude. But um, Jukebox later on gets jumped in the train station. And still makes it to practice to give Crystal the look of death. Because she knows that it's her that set her up after she got the lead. And she almost doesn't make it to practice in turn but she makes it she fixes her brains you know pushes the stray away hairs back and they get to dancing in a singing hoodie now after juke them i do have a question for you guys and i hope that you can write in and tell us what you think what do you think is going to be the demise of Butter? I know that I'm recording this pretty late, but we will release it before the new episode airs. So hopefully, guys, you can tell us what you think is going to happen with Butter. I have been reading some of the predictions in the comment sections of the new pictures that we posted. And you guys are hilarious. So let's see. So what do we have to move on to? What was the next thing we talked about? No, we talked about about uncle marvin a little bit we talked about butter uh we're rehearsing i don't want to get to famous yet but i do and we talked about steps and paul maybe we can go to papa burke so shannon burke's dad who is a former detective he feels guilt And sometimes when people feel guilt, they go to extreme lengths to assuage their guilt. So the only logical thing here for him to do to pass his time and to find answers and possibly quell the grief that he's feeling is to go search for answers. He didn't search for these answers while his daughter was alive and she was trying to talk to him and tell him. But now that she's dead, he has to find ways to cope with the grieving. And what do you do when you grieve? Go find other people that's grieving. So he finds Mr. Bingham. That's Nicole's dad, Jude's ex-girlfriend. And he asks, he speaks to him and asks him to talk. and says that Shannon would never give anyone drugs. And she has never been like that. She's a, She used to be a great person or she was a great person. And what does Bingham do in this minute? He admits that he was skeptical about Burke, meaning Shannon Burke. Giving any kind of drugs to Nicole or having any involvement with Nicole's death. But he says something without saying something. He says, The cop told me to do it. And Detective Burke pauses in this moment because he asks him, he said, Well, who told you to go file a complaint and follow up on this? And he says, he told me not to say anyone. So being the top cop that Detective Howard is, excuse me, not Howard, but Detective Burke, he says it was Malcolm Howard. It's the only thing that makes sense in this moment that would advise him to take something to IAD. So now he he has his pecking orders. He knows that whatever it is that happened with his daughter, it has something to do with Malcolm. Because Malcolm was the one that pushed Mr. Bingham into filing him point with IAD. Let's talk about, let's see, who was next? You want to talk about Uncle Marvin? Yeah, let's talk about Uncle Marvin. So Uncle Marvin, after he leaves the house from having a meeting with Rock, after finding Lou Trung, he wants Rock to take his lead on how to deal with Lou. But Bach is pretty stubborn and she is not really listening to any of the feedback that Uncle Marvin has to tell her. Because at the end of it, he said to figure out what is happening in Kanan's operation. What he's getting into with the Atlantic City crew meeting Snap and Pops and Ronnie. And he finds, he's he's staking out. He watches Kanan as he's distributing packs or distributing parcels to the different messengers he follows one of the messengers pulls him up a bag goes through his bag it prints out that Kanan is in fact dealing heroin and where is that heroin coming from oh the heroin is coming from Barney. and how did Barney get money to buy that heroin oh slaps and pops they fridged him the money to buy that heroin And gave him that heroin oh my gosh not the bitch from the corner store who used to sell me Lucy's. yes Juliana Juliana is the one that is behind all of this and the chickens will come home to loose for her later on in the episode though after Marvin tracks down the bike guy takes the heroin out of his bag figures out that that's what's can- that what came did that is what Keenan is doing. We see that Rock meets with the supplies distribution truck. So those trucks dance so that they supply uh, restaurant supplies for Chinese restaurant. She goes back to meet with them. She meets the other brother who is part owner of the business. And he's on drugs and he's erratic. But Rock makes a very generous offer for using the trucks, But he gets greedy and says he wants hung deal. One move, my guy because marvin ends up handling him by trying to strong-arm rock into giving him the same deal that Han had by sending a sex worker his way and hides in the room with a camera and starts taking pictures to blackmail him with his wife he didn't say he was going to tell her anything but he is going to share some but he is or would and could share pictures with the wife of uh, the distribution company. I'm sorry I didn't write of his name. After which. Rock also meets with Quarm. And he tells her about the couriers. Moving into her territory. So remember. She is on a strict timeline. To get as much turnover as possible. In her new business dealings. With the Vietnamese. Which is all, which were also backed. By the Italian Stefano. Bang talk to each other, he lets her know about the competition that is coming in Jamaica. But she does find out that the person who is her direct competitor happens to be her brother. Okay, excuse me, not her brother, her son, her son is her direct competitor because her brother found out by snatching the guy off the bike and pulling out the heroin product. They meet back up at the house and Marvin and Rock talk about one, all of the things that they found out. That Quan wants her to take out the competition. Lou no, tells her who the competition is. That Kanan is working with Ronnie, and because Ronnie is involved they know they're not dealing in any weed or anything small like that. They know that it is big money and it's big business and it's heroin. So they piece all of that together. Here is... Uncle Marvin's last failed attempt of advocating for Lou saying Lou needs us right now because he just got off the phone with the lady from the cafe. Lou was in the wind he left the house the mother gave him some stale, burnt toast and some burnt up eggs. Lou didn't even look at it and I I know it must have been bad because you know after you're drunk and you wake up you are super duper hungry and he left the house in the wind. So Marvin wants to go find Lou. But Rock, here she goes again with being the the bully and says, you're so busy worrying about everyone else that you're not worrying about yourself. And I think that he is worrying about himself in this instance, but he's worrying about himself in a selfless way because Lou is a reflection of him and his sister. And he needs to protect him because Lou is his baby brother. So he is a part of him. And... The business can wait as far as he's concerned. But Rock is under an immense amount of pressure because Wong wants her to settle the score with whoever the competitor is. She just found out that the competitor is Kanan by way of Coco Martin. And now they have to find a solution for the trucks because the guy, uh, excuse me, um, the two brothers who own the supply distribution company, he's telling her no because he wants the same deal that Hong has, and that's not gonna fly so she tells Marvin that he needs to take care of the trucks and Marvin has the brilliant idea of blackmailing him setting him up with the sex worker going in the hotel and taking pictures and that seems to have worked so now they have distribution for the drugs there's a way for them to move the drugs around the city it only took rock Three days to get this up and running. Meanwhile, Unique had five whole episodes and nothing was jamming. And this is why our body was getting pissed. I shouldn't say that. Also, I have some thoughts about Unique. Uh, If we have time at the end, I'll share them. Or maybe I can do it right now. Don't you guys find it funny that Unique's body hasn't been found yet? We are at episode eight. I had a feeling they weren't going to do a funeral, but to not find his body already or not show his body or proof of death or any anything it kind of rubs me the wrong way because what it's it's one or two things right either the actor or, or the rapper they they left disgruntled and didn't want to film anymore but that can't be the case because joey badass he's been saying nothing but good things ever since this you know, his time on the show has ended, or ever since episode five has aired. But I am kind of concerned, and it is like setting off little alarm bells in my head. Like, why haven't they shown that he's dead yet? they they never done this in power. That, that doesn't even make sense. Uh, the only person... Well, they did have a funeral for ghosts. And I guess because there hasn't been a funeral. No one has ID'd his body. It It's a little weird. So... We'll, we'll get back to that at another time, I guess. I mean, I don't think he's in episode nine and they don't show they don't have him listed in episode nine because, you know, even when you do your death scene or not your death scene, but your after death scene where you are playing dead, they still give you credit in the episode. I'll give you an example. Uh, Shane, what is his last name? The Cooper, Cooper Sack. The person that plays Cooper Sacks, his real name is Shade. He is credited in the episode after he dies because he sat, he was on the slab, and it, he makes an appearance in the episode. And he's listed in the episode. Now I checked to see if Joey Badass is in episode correct? and he is not. He he isn't listed for any of any more episodes. So unless he does like, unless they do like old scenes where they use his face, but um, so Howard. Marvin is sent to go find a solution for the trucks. And he does. He blackmails, he blackmails the guy to go into business with Locke. And then we next see Howard, who meets with the person that he's supposed to be taking over their position. He meets with Officer Ogden. And he's supposed to replace this person. He then finds out that Marvin is the main target of the investigation. Does he tell Rock that Marvin is the target of the investigation? No. Because he's holding this close to his chest, like we said last week, because this is his insurance and something tells me that, you know, he's using this just in case he has to have someone to pin this on. I don't know how well Rock is going to take to that because she is going to find out. They always find out. Uh, But Ogden tells him that so that he can be ahead of the curve when he starts In the new position. And he'll be able to hit the ground running. He, I don't know if he's going to hit the ground running. Or if he's going to get hit with a bullet. But we'll see what happens to Malcolm. I'm surprised that Malcolm made it this far. Like he, he really isn't doing that much. In the story anymore. So we'll see how long he lasts. Because. Him not telling Locke about Marvin. I can't imagine that boding well for him. Kaden and Crystal, they are laid up when the social worker pulls up and she gets 24 hours to return home where she's going to come back with the cops. Kaden said, I'm going to come up with the cops. No problem. I got a friend here. His name is Ronnie and he's going to scare the living hell out of you. I have no idea what Bernie said to that lady. Only God knows what he said to her for her to run off like that. I was reading a comment and someone said I was hoping to see a trail of pee following her as she walked away from Ronnie. But whatever it was, she got the hell up out of there. She didn't really hear anything else that uh, Ronnie may have had to say. He walks back to the car and Kanan seems to be in the clear. She's not going to bother you anymore. Another question that we should be considering is what do we think is going to happen to Famous? So Famous goes to the club. He's looking for Boo. But instead of finding Lou, because Lou has already stopped by, and Lou cuts the tape for him, gives it to the cafe owner, and she in turn, when she meets Famous, she gives it to him when he comes looking for Lou. And she doesn't give a definitive timeline of when Lou is coming back, so Famous is kind of left in limbo a little bit because he doesn't know if Lou is going to be able to produce for her anymore. And he asks if he could use the equipment but they come to a bartering agreement where she says you can use this equipment even though it's not married to load out you can use the equipment so long as you stay with us and you help out around the cafe that's how we can do this exchange you help out here and you can use the studio at your whim now Look at all of the evidence that is stacked up against Famous. I think we talked about this last week too. He has a full confession on that rap song. And we've known recently uh, from a lot of the different clippings in the press that rap lyrics are now being used against artists. We definitely saw last week that they played Lifestyle in the courtroom for the vehicle charges against YSL. And that was not fun to watch. I mean, it. I had... People, we make jokes because everyone was trying not to bop their head when the song was playing. But the fact that they're admitting these lyrics into open court and into evidence, it is kind of scary. Because some of this stuff isn't real and some of it is fabricated. But let's get back to Raising Caden. Famous now has the tape of his confession through raps. He has the gun that he used to kill Freddie in his mother's house. I don't know how much longer Famous is going to be around whether he goes to jail or whether he gets killed. I always figured something bad must have happened to Famous because his name is Sean and we know that Caden's son ends up being named Sean and Sean is going to be born in a few years. Kate, Famous, let me see, Sean, right now we are in... I thought we were in 1991. People keep telling me it's 1992 now. So we're in 1992. And Sean isn't born until 1995. So something happens. I think something happens to Famous in between that time. And that's what probably makes Kaden name his son after his best friend, Sean. So moving on from Famous. Who do we have to go to next? Because I want to talk about my favorite scene of the episode and that is when the three dogs in acting when they meet so Raquel the feral bread the stallion walks in to pop and snaps establishment and she comes in there to figure out and to stop them from working with her son now They do not take kindly to Raquel stepping to them. So she comes in and she meets with uh, Snap and Pop. I just want to pull up my notes because I wrote down some really good quotes from their interaction. But it was intense. I have been waiting for the three of them to have a scene together the entire season because I know that it was going to be like an acting showdown just their posture their stance their how they they pray off of each other's words whereas they're not speaking too quickly and I like the interaction that they have with one another whereas you can feel the power in the room and or around the table of, of who holds or wields power and it's kind of funny how they check rock I've never seen rock get checked like There are people who have one up on her, but she always kind of stands her ground. And she does stand her ground in in her interaction with them because they tell her we are the ancestors, the forefathers, and the forebearers, everything that you're doing now. We have paved the way. Right. They tell her this. Actually, uh, Snaps tells her that and she listens. She doesn't cut a off while he's talking and pop chimes in and says you know you think you can come in here with your Gucci and Chanel and that Indian hair but you don't you're not running anything over here we've done all of this before we've been paid and we stay paid And her response to all of this they're laying it all out for her you you think because you have Stefano behind you that you can't get touched no you can't get touched as a matter of fact, the only reason why you have Stefano behind you is because we didn't tell him to sit down yet. And I think, I, I, you know, I wonder, when I first watched it, I said, I don't think she knew that. I felt like she was a little surprised when she heard them say this. And it's it almost, like, kind of knocked her off her pivot a little. But she, she regained her stance. And her posture. And she comes back over the top and says. A lot of people say. And they can brag about what they started. But what really matters. Is who's there at the end. And who cuts the light at the end. Which is so funny because that's what happens. What she does. At the end of the episode with. June Water. So. I do want to point out something to you that happened in more scene because we've been going over what is respect and what is fear. And did you guys notice the respect that Snap shows Raquel when she comes in and even when she's leaving, even after they spar with each other as very formidable opponents, as formidable drug dealers and gangsters? He stands up when she comes in. He stands up like a gentleman should do while she before she sits down at the table. And when she rises to leave after telling them, don't fuck with my son, he still stands up for her. He stands up, shows her that respect, and lets her leave. And I said, there is a little bit of fear and a little bit of respect, just like what Caden said in the beginning of the episode. I can only imagine how bad this is going to end for all of them because Pot looks over to her husband and she says, is everything that we have going on with Lonnie worth all of this trouble to get into a war with Ra, to have to deal with Canaan? Is this worth it? And he said, it stopped being about Lonnie what she told us what to do. Because nobody fucks with us. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> Here we go. But after she leaves, snaps and Pop, She goes to go get the okay. So she's on a mission. She goes and meets with Pernessa. And Pernessa is talking to her. She wants to figure out what's happening with her son. She tries to smooth things over with Pernessa. And says, hey, I normally don't circle the block. But because of my son, I have to find out what's happening. And I need to protect him. And Pernessa, being smart. Pernessa, she may be soft or whatever the case, however you view her. But she's trying to protect her son too. And she says just that. She does give some information. She says that she wants to stay out of Barney's way. And she has to protect her own son. But she does let slip that Varnie has a girl now, And... Rock puts two and two together, figures out that Juliana is Rock supplying, because after all, Dean is dead. He he did kill Dean already, so he knows that Joaquin may not, she knows that Joaquin may not be clued in to what Juliana is doing, and that she's doi- doing it behind his back. So she then, after her, Pernessa, after her conversation with Pranessa, she goes to Joaquin to go get approval for killing his cousin. I feel like I needed this scene because for episodes or even for this entire season, we have been asking, even for last season, we were asking, what the hell made Juliana start acting like this? And we know that once she started spelling herself, that her papers were already written. Those lights were going to get turned off. The utilities were going to be shut, shut off. Emma Schumper couldn't have shut these things off quicker than what happened with uh, Rock and Juliana. Once she started lifting up her underarms and smelling herself, I knew that she wasn't going to have much longer on this side of the grass. But Rock speaks to to Juliana's cousin, and he... Isn't really too fond of what she's bringing up, but she does bring up some good points. She says, you know, has Juliana had extra money? She's been acting distant, having conversations that you can't hear. And it, it sounds good, but he's like, yo, she's still my cousin. I can't really do that to her. And he says, I'll let you know what my decision is. Funnier though, I don't think she cared what his decision was going to be. I think Juliana was going to get packed up whether or not he said yes. But she went about it the right way and got the right... She, she did the proper protocols of trying to kill someone's cousin who actually brought her in to meet him and it's good that she stays on a good good footing with Joaquin just in case anything collapses with the Vietnamese and with Stefano considering the conversation that we just heard her say or heard her have with Pots and Snap and he is claiming to have Stefano in his pocket and he has the ability to make stefano stay away from her and not give her the protection or the backing that she needs one from the drugs or two from the protection right so there's only a couple more things to go over and then maybe we can get into the theory because i didn't take that long today guys so gerald meets back up with marvin and he goes over his possible feature for jukebox in the village voice But Joe makes such a bad mistake here, right? Wait, hold on. They're at, uh, where are they at? They're not at the park. They meet up for lunch and they're at like a diner. So he thought it was a good idea to bring up bulletproof records and the mob ties and how he heard from a friend at the police department. I was like, you are talking too much, sir. Marvin is not a dummy. He is going to catch on. And he's like, why are you talking to the cops about me? What does this have to do with a future on jukebox? And he's trying to clean up all of the questions that he's asking, but it already puts Marvin on high alert. And he's just like, uh, no. Th- that has nothing to do with any of this. And why are you talking to the cops about me? And she says, you know, you messy. You're being messy. Like your dad. And he turns to the, the daughter, I think her name is Alice, and says, you e- messy all over the place just like your daddy but later on after that scene we find out why Gerald was asking all those questions and I told y'all from the episode before and from the episode before that I never trust no random white guy that just pops up out of nowhere and starts talking to you nowhere not in the subway in in the train station because all oh, If you see some random white guy just standing around, that means he is an undercover cop and he's going to get you if you jump that turnstile. If you see some random white guy just come and start asking you some questions about your daughter who sings and works at the Village Voice, he is not for you, Marvin. Do I think that Marvin has, uh, that Gerald has pure intentions that he does like Marvin and he doesn't want to get Marvin in trouble? Sure. But I'm sure they jammed him up and told him that he was going to go to prison. And he, and if he has to choose between Marvin and his daughters or leaving his daughters as orphans, he's going to choose, hey, I'll get whatever information I care about this guy. But up until this point, we don't know what information they've given, excuse me, what information Gerald has given to the FBI about Marvin. And I think it's safe to assume they haven't given anything because it's all they up to right now that they even taken him seriously as a target of the investigation at the Baisley houses all right moving on from joel and marvin I'm trying to think is there anything that i missed we talk about pernessa we talk about rock and fun bon, and the distributors let's see shall we get to our final scene Yes, i think we can so Ralph gets the approval from Joaquin and she walks in or we see her appear like Batman at Juliana's house and Juliana is fixing cups and smiling and I knew she was thinking about Ronnie in that moment <laughs> because I know that smile girl even if you don't have a phone in your head and you get a text from your man I know what that smile means and who you thinking about but boy did that smile wipe off her face off her face really quick fast because Rock says you're always gonna be the scared little bitch from the corner store. Juliana pleads for her life. She tells us she has money, says if my cousin finds out, she'll have your head and Rock could care less. Because why? Because Joaquin knows that she's there. And she shoots her in the leg. She drops to the floor. And then she walks over and she's still talking to her. So, you know, wife right now was doing her villain soliloquy. You think, you, you needed my help to cure your husband. You couldn't do nothing without me. You tried to flex for me in front of your cousin. You tried to be this and this and that. And while I'm here, and look at you, begging for your life, trying to throw money at the situation. But here I go. I got the gun now, bitch. <laughs> Once you saw locked hair in a slick back ponytail, you should already know utilities were getting cut off. So she shoots her in the left shoulder. And she shoots her in the right shoulder. This is already after she's been wounded. She shot her in the leg. And then she gets her one more right between the eyes. So we know that Juliana dead. No coming back. She's off the show. Finished. Thank you, Rosal. Uh, is her last name Cologne? yes thank you roselle for being juliana but we knew that you didn't have long to live after you told after you threatened brock and that that's it always remember that brock wins every day sure sometimes she takes losses but the wins are far more bigger (laughs) than the losses um when she kills her, I think I screamed a little bit. And then the closing song, they played the Punisher. And I was like, oh my gosh, come on, big tank. Come on with the Punisher. So I think we do have time to read a fan theory. And this theory is in relation to, let's see who we're talking about today. I had two theories to read, but this one is about Ronnie being Breeze. I thought we were over this <laughs> because I definitely there's no way that you guys can still believe that Ronnie is Breeze because he's just not like Ronnie is not Breeze guys but here's the theory and I, I just want to get the screen name right before I read the theory so I'm just going into Instagram right now to find his name because he sent it to me via DM Okay, this is from King David Uzo 7. I have a theory I wish to share in regards to his identity or breeze with Canaan. Here's what I believe will happen in the remaining final two episodes. If you could share and discuss on the podcast and videos, we all know how ruthless Rock is so far and will go by any means necessary to stop Kaden from participating in the drug game as well as opposing as well as posing as a threat to her and jeopardizing any chance of her progressing any further in the game. And in order to derail Kaden, either Rock herself or Lulu under Rock's orders in order to stay alive to do him a favor as a callback to what he is by taking out buck twenty will take out famous as one dark and twisted last-ditch effort to stop her son and bring him back to her but will instead but will not go as she intended to go and he will seek revenge and declare war on his mother he will then run away with ronnie as rock will hunt for him and Kaden will switch things up and change his identity, brings with Kaden on his side on a quest to take over. So, just so that I ha- I made sure I read this correctly, because this was, uh there was some, a little bit of typos in here, and I could, there's probably like two periods in this entire thing. Here's what I think he's saying He thinks that Ronnie and Caden are gonna go on the run and Ronnie is gonna change his his identity to Breeze with Caden by his side and then that's how they're going to end up meeting Ghost and Tommy next season um, I hate to bust a bubble Ronnie is not Breeze guys He's not Breeze. I can give you, I'll, I'll give you the first most rational reason why he's not Breeze. One, the actor who plays Ronnie, his name is Grantham Coleman. Grantham Coleman got a new job. He is not going to be in season four of Raising Caden. Or at least that's what I'm speculating. Number two, it would be insane. That they call this guy Breeze after we've gotten to know him as Ronnie for the past eight to nine episodes. Right? He's he, he's still Ronnie in the next episode that's coming because they called him Ronnie when in the preview for the next episode. He's not Breeze. Ronnie is not Breeze, guys. I don't know how many different ways I gotta say this, but this he he's that he's that breeze and on that note I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of just me alone hopefully next week we'll have a guest co-host so that I can go back and forth with people but I actually miss doing it by myself sometimes if you have any questions comments concerns or things that you want to share with me in terms of theories please feel free to hit me up you can find me at Kimi Cakes or at Chronicles of Power or at pbt lstd definitely hit us up you can hit us up in the comments too or us. it's probably easier if you hit us up in the comments just at me and i i will definitely see it my mentions are not off i get people cursing me out all day so Have a good week, guys, and I can't wait to talk about episode 9 with you. I know it's going to be a doozy. Some of the things that we need to look out for, if you guys watch the ending of the episode when they show the preview for episode 9, we did see Blue Quarren saying, Marvin, please don't let her kill me, When I know that episode 9 is going to be a doozy. I cannot wait to see the Twitter reactions, and I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Have a good week, and I'll see you again soon.